You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. Welcome once again to another exciting episode of the Dream Lab Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Benjamin Hall, along here with my co-host, Dan Shifo. Yo, what's going on, everyone? First uh, first one of 2019. It is. So here we are. We're, uh, we had our 2018 recap. Uh, you know, thank you to everyone again. Uh, we did it at Panera. We're not at Panera today. No, no, no people watching this time or no, no, no people staring at us, staring <laughs> at us like zoo animals. That was kind of fun though. It was fun. Uh, but no, it's, it's first one of 2019. Um, we appreciate all the guests of 17 and 18. Uh, 18 was the full year. Um, as I always say, as I'll continue to say, um, the, the show is all about, our guests that we have on who give who give their time, you graciously give their time to tell their story. Uh, and this show is all about you listening, um, you know, you listening and, and giving your time and, and just supporting us. So we, so we appreciate that, uh, our guests and our listeners. And, and we're just trying to help. We're just hoping to help. And, and I think we have another great story uh, today, another awesome story. Um, I might be a little more biased for this one. Uh, it's my nephew, Sam Shifo. Uh, he is a current GA trainer with the West Virginia University football team. Uh, he has worked with the Duke football team. It's Duke in Durham, North Carolina, uh, ACC. Uh, has also worked with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we'll get we'll get into all that. But but no, thank you for for coming out. Yeah, thanks we, for coming on. We got yeah, him. Thanks a, for having me. Guys. We got him a couple days before we went down back down to Morgantown. <laughs> Just uh, a couple days off between bowl season and off season. Yeah, right. A couple. Mm. You, so you had a, a couple days to kick your feet up. Basically, that's just about it. Uh, before I get into anything, I'd like to apologize. Um, I apologize. Right now, this is episode 67, and I yes. apologize that I couldn't get you on for 66 or 68. Oh, for that's anyone, true. That's right. I can't mm. believe, honestly, I can't believe we didn't mention anything about episode 66. We, we, we yeah, we, we kind of dropped the ball on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we said it before we went on air. We did, like yes. Before we recorded, we were like, oh, 66, and then we didn't even mention it in the actual. Yeah, no. Some, someone's listening, and they're like, no, you didn't, you, you know. But uh, Meanwhile, our listeners in Thailand uh, yeah. are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, people from Pittsburgh will get it, hockey fans will get it. Episode 66, uh, Mario Lemieux, one of the greatest of all time, if, you know, arguably Definitely the greatest of all five. time. Absolutely. Definitely, t- <laughs> Definitely yeah. top five. Uh, 68, Yarmir Yager. Um, a little bit of hard feelings in Pittsburgh, but we, I think, I think he'll come around, you know, but Yarmir Yager 68. So I apologize for getting you on in 67. No, that's all right. I guess I'll survive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, Sam, another, you know, as we, we all grew up, you know, my brother, his dad, we all grew up watching penguin hockey. Um, you'll be going to the game on Friday. That's not going to matter now because it's a little out of date. Yep. This comes out Monday, <laughs> but you will have gone to the game on Where Friday. Plan? Uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg Jets. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so they either had a great game and won or lost. Yeah. How about that yeah, game? We'll see how that goes. Winnipeg's yeah. a young team, aren't they? They are. They're very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Line, good. line A and yeah. That's kind of what the Penguins were whenever back way back whenever Malkin, Crosby, and yeah. Flurry were those all first in the couple first couple Cup teams. Those 09 yeah. and sure. The 08, 09 
Yeah. Finals teams. Yeah. Yeah. They got Sid in 05 and Florian 03 and Gino in 04. And, and then, you know, I mean, they're still, they're still rolling. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to get that out there. I wanted to apologize for uh, getting you on for 67 and not 68 or 66. <laughs> uh, maybe we can have you back for episode 87. There we go. That one works. <coughs> Sweet. It's possible. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of, you're the GA trainer with, with uh, the West Virginia University football team. Uh, you were just at, the Camping World Bowl or in Orlando, yes. Florida. Um, I guess I guess maybe to start off, you're a GA trainer with the West Virginia football team. Can you explain your position to everyone? Yeah, explain so, your position! <laughs> so as an athletic trainer, I mean, we see, we deal with the injuries that the athletes deal with every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, we see them not only on the field during their practice time and immediately as that injury happens, but we also see them in the training room afterwards to rehabilitate those injuries uh-huh. and to prevent them from having the injuries as sure. well. So we, and we're there some days we're there 12 to 16 hours a day, just in the training room, especially in college, you have to wait for those guys to get out of classes sometimes. Sure. And, um, we're there. We're ready for whenever they need help for, we're there to take care of them. And you also think a lot of injuries and we also deal with a lot of, stuff on the mental side as well too that's been mm. a lot more prominent in sports sure absolutely is, uh, you see all these athletes and you expect them to just be a big tough machine and yeah, yeah. oh you got an injury we'll fix a machine like we fix a car and get them back out there but right. you gotta take that mental side in that's something big that we focused on in, as athletic trainers recently especially if you kind of tear an ACL or something like that or, or yeah. some sort of injury that like I mean it's tough you know I mean yeah so yeah. many guys they they lose their sense of almost belonging sometimes sure. they're part of this team they're part of a, an a linebacker group and yeah, right. then they get hurt and they're not going to practice they're not going to meetings they're in sure. the training room doing rehab they don't they they're don't hanging out with you more yeah they're teammates. hanging out with me we're buddies now and they don't know who their real teammates are yeah, yeah. before you know they're asking me to, to grab a drink with them I'm like ah you can go with your buddies you're still yeah. friends with them yeah right so. that that does I mean that's interesting you bring that up because I, I can remember back in high school even on the swim team there were people like that that would get injuries and so mm-hmm. immediately after school they go to the athletic trainer's office and so halfway through <laughs> the season you might see them show yeah, up for a yeah. practice again and you're like you're still on the team yeah, like, you're still I here you, yeah, I thought you exactly. quit this, like, that's yeah. so interesting but true yeah we get our athletes like that we try and keep them involved as much as we can but you deal with the mental things the, the there's mental stages of every injury especially long term stuff that you go through and um yeah, it's just that's really important for us nowadays, and something that wasn't seen before in mm-hmm. athletic training and sports medicine in general. You've, you know, at twenty-five in a month, um, you know, in a month, twenty-four now, I'll be twenty-five. You've kind of been around the block a little bit, but at the yeah. same time, um, how did you discover that athletic training was your passion? You know, how how did you kind of, and, and we can kind of get into the whole gamut of things, yeah. but just how you know, how did you kind of say like, yeah, this is what I, because it's obvious, I, I've seen it. You know, so spoiler alert, we're going to get there. It's his passion, athletic training. Uh, just, I just flipped to the end. But yeah, how did you discover that athletic training was your passion? So I've, I've always really wanted to be an athletic trainer and had a passion for it coming out of high school. Yeah. Uh, I had a really, really good athletic trainer playing uh, call, or high school football. Um, coach Damico was our athletic trainer and our uh strength coach as well but he just always had an upbeat mentality really good mentality and just somebody who i a good role model i wanted to model myself after um also learned about athletic trainers after really getting an injury and realizing that instead of sitting around waiting for it to heal i could have been in the training room mm. getting it better yeah you battled with that a little bit yeah too. yeah many yeah. different injuries and when i had the thumb surgery and a minor thumb surgery kept me out of soccer which you don't use your hands for yeah right for <laughs> for three months and i was like this didn't really make any sense so once i 
kind of discovered the athletic trainers, it was able easier to get back on the field. And that was something that I kind of wanted to continue on with other athlete, athletes and help them get back as, as soon as they can. And um, it was hard because coming out of high school, I was being recruited to play college football. Right. Mm. So I, I did, I was recruited and I went as a preferred walk on to the university of Akron. And um, as if you're a division one athlete, you can't, be an athletic training major because there's clinical hours that interfere with your practice time. Sure. And there's just no, there's not enough hours in the day for it to happen. Right, right. Um, so we, uh, so I decided to just go ahead and do football initially and then just kind of see where it happened from there. And eventually it kind of, football faded out and I transitioned to athletic training at Akron before transferring to Pitt, finishing up. Yeah, and I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. Um, you know, you grew up playing soccer at the club level. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever play for the high school team? I don't think you did. I played right? for a year or two of the yeah. high school team. So, yeah. So, and and by the club level, I want to explain to, to everybody there. Like the club level, it's um, think AAU basketball. Yeah, you know, exactly. along, like it's not it's not the high, it's kind of a step up just against you know just pretty pretty you know sizable competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you grew up playing soccer you know throughout your whole life, but at the club level in, in high school, um, went. To to Woodland Hills, uh, which is, um, it's right outside Pittsburgh. Um, very, very, very known for, um, producing NFL players like Rob Gronkowski of the New England Patriots, Ryan Mm -hmm. Mundy, uh, who used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steve Breston, um, who played for a number of teams, Arizona and Kansas city. Recently had a Miles Sanders just declared for the draft today too. Right. State running back Woodland Hills product (coughs) just declared for the draft today too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Jason Taylor, former, Mm -hmm. you know, standout with Miami Dolphins. I mean, so, so, uh, there's a, a storied history of just, um, you know, Woodland Hills athletics, you know, in the NFL, uh, you kicked with their football team. Um, you won a WPL championship with, uh, the football team. Yes. I, I also got a chance to cover that game. <laughs> uh, we won't get into that one, but that was, that was, you know, that we can go on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, won a WPL title, kicked at Heinz field, um, you know, made a field goal. Uh, did you make a field goal in the North Allegheny game? You made one in the Gateway game. I made one. I, don't, in the ga- I had two I don't extra points in the North Allegheny. Yeah, yeah, the one we lost. No, yeah, we you didn't have a chance know. to kick mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Nope. Um, then ended up going to Akron uh, as a kicker, and then to to Pitt and the Steelers and Duke. Um, what do you like best about athletic training? Like, what's the you know what, what's the best part about it for you? I think my my really best part is just being able to be there for the athletes. I right. mean, you see so many of these guys who come in and. And they're just they're wiped. They're they're yeah. wiped, and they uh, and especially the position I'm in now. I mean, being a 24, soon to be 25 year old. A lot of these guys are. I'm older than all of them, but yeah. they're still very close in age. So you have your head athletic trainer who's kind of like the dad figure. Yeah, and right. They don't. Sometimes they're afraid to talk to these these guys about things. But then, I, I really like to look at my athletes and almost take a a brotherly sure. type stance. And, and their stuff will joke around about, and stuff will we'll talk about and right. on the other hand they they still trust and respect me enough to okay this is how I'm going to get you better but just really being able to be there for them for their injury stuff in sure. their, on the field on the sideline little things is hey I forgot to wear my earrings can you hold them so I don't get in trouble yeah I'll hold your earrings you little that, stuff you like did that. that for other uh, in the NFL, uh, other, other NFL athletes That's too correct. but for the college athletes the NFL athletes purposely left them <laughs> on the college athletes uh, just forgot um so you would, so you would just, you get all that different type of stuff. But just being there for the athletes is the best. You being able to see them, just pick their spirits up, even at the end of the day, or just help them get through whatever they need to. Most of my athletes have my phone number too. If I tell them, I say, if something happens out of, out of it, that you out of the training room that you need help with, sure. just give me a call and 
I said, I'm not going to not tell coach or not tell our head athletic yeah, trainer, right. but I'll help you get through it as sure, best sure. I can. You, yeah. can. you can call, you know, and, exactly. you know, say you can call and bounce stuff. What, what's it like? You And you've dealt with injuries um, in the NFL and in college. Yeah. Um, can you speak to the human element? Because there's so many people that um, I have a fantasy team and, oh, man, like, why can't this player play? He's mm-hmm. doubtful. He's questionable. There's no there's almost no human element to it. There's, um, you know, you see the human element. You see that they're you know, rehabbing or getting back to the yeah. game and and to to me with my fantasy team they're just a name and i need them to produce points so i can win my fantasy football champion Could you, can you kind of talk about the human element yeah so i mean and we'll start the we'll go with the nfl to start off with sure at the nfl it's such a people don't realize it's such a business oh yeah and and these guys i mean these guys get injured and a lot of times whenever they're held out or they're questionable that's not their choice that's my, uh, it's the head athletic trainer's choice right. or the athletic trainer's choice or the, even the team doctor's choice. These guys, I mean, some of them, if they don't, if they're held out or don't play because of an injury, they lose money or lose sure. a game check. Or lose their spot. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's how they feed their family and that's how they that's how they live, sure. to be honest with you. I mean, especially some of these guys who who are bouncing from team to team or only been in the league a few years or just came up from the practice squad Might and you get, an unlu- you get an unlucky break and they, they want to play through anything. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you have to, you really have to look out for their well-being long-term. Sure. And so everybody's, oh, he could play, he could play, he could play. Yeah, great, he plays this game, but how about 10 years down the road when he already has arthritis in his ankles and he already has to get cortisone injections and all that kind of stuff or already needs a knee replacement because he just pounded away on this pounded away on this yeah so it's just about being an advocate for the athletes too as as an athletic trainer but i mean yeah you there's a human element behind it that people don't see um same thing with the athletes in, in college level they get hurt and they need to play they need to play but yeah at the same time they need to graduate sure four years unless you're a coming from West Virginia, unless you're a Will Greer or a David Sills, yeah. you're, you're, you may not go to the NFL. You may get a look here and get a couple hundred dollars for a tryout or a yeah, practice right. squad where you just get beat up for a day. Definitely. Um, but you need to have a job and you need to be able to support yourself and potentially a family right. in the future. So we need to make sure that you're healthy, not only to play football, but first to get back in the classroom too. Well, support mm. in the NFL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. And, and we asked, we you know Ryan Scarpino, you worked yeah. with Ryan with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and we asked him kind of a similar question. I've asked a couple other people this the same question, but like, um, what's it like, to, you know, we, we asked Ryan about like growing up being a fan, being a fan of the Steelers. I mean, I think you, you know, and, and I think kind of being in the field, you kind of always have that sense of... Um, you know, you, it, growing up around it, you're always you're always kind of a fan. Like you always kind of root for the team, but like mm-hmm. you can't. You obviously can't do that whenever you're an athletic trainer, when you're a reporter, when you're a writer, when you're a PR representative, that sort of thing. Um, what's it like for you to work with the team and to kind of see the curtain pulled back? I mean, this is a job for you when you were with the Steelers, even yeah. as an intern, when you were at Duke, when you were at West Virginia. Like this is a job now. Um, you, you, what's it like to, to work with the team and kind of to see the curtain pulled back from uh, going going you know as uh, somebody on the outside before to going you know in inside the locker room and actually working with these people? Yeah, I mean. Um like you said, you kind of have to. You just have to take a look at these guys and realize that they're just these guys or girls or any athletes. That they're sure. just they're just normal people, just right. like you and me. I mean, I think that was one of my favorite things to see with the Steelers is these guys in the locker room. I mean, I didn't realize, I guess, at the time that I was the I am the same age as Stefan Tuitt. So Absolutely. we had 
talk about this in high school, talk about that in high school, and you just relate to these guys. Whenever you see them on TV, they're all they're making millions of dollars. Sure, sure. A big famous guy. I mean, I think one of my favorite stories about an athlete just looking at him and really he's just a normal human being it yeah. was early in the morning i think it was a friday practice before a game and everybody knows james harrison gets there and lifts his tail off right, his right. sweatsuit and everything well he's in the training room already he's sitting on the he's just sitting on the table waiting for everybody to come in he's got cartoons on like friday right, right. morning cartoons on laughing hysterically sitting yeah, on the training says, table just like a little kid right and you're like and then you saw that with d'angelo williams how he d'angelo williams loved wrestling Absolutely. and dressing up and for halloween <laughs> and all that kind of stuff they're just normal human beings who happen to be good at football, pretty good right. at football, and some of them are gigantic, too, and have a good gene pool. So that's sure. about it. And that's even, like, seeing to it, too. Like, he's enormous, but oh, he's, yeah. a, he's, he's, but he's like just a kid. A, but right. he's just a big kid. Yeah, right. He's I a mean, great guy. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And just like anybody else, I remember I had to take Stefan to it somewhere, and we were supposed to be there at 1030, and I met him at the time we were meeting, and we spent... 30 minutes because he couldn't find his wallet and lost his wallet like any other human being sure, and, we were right. late, and we were late to the appointment and right yeah i took the blame for it. i said i was, i didn't hustle him along and my head i sure wouldn't hear that but right but yeah. the, and and that's the stuff that happens and and you know and, and i've maybe not at that level but i've kind of you know you kind of see it and you see the human element of like yeah. man that guy's a good person like just a good you know good yeah. it's not universal with all 52 but no. you get 52 people in a room you know whatever but no but you, you see time, you see a human element of it yeah you see all these people and and like you said you don't get it with all 52 or however many people are in sure. there you you get people who their egos get in the way of things it happens and um but but majority of these guys are great people i mean the really other one i can really speak on is greg warren who oh, no longer play who right. is retired now and um greg used to and i hope they still do it but every year greg used to organize this thing where the boys would Depending on how long you'd been there, they would uh, they would give you they would donate money. So rookies had a lower than five year vets Is and ten year vets. No, they'd give money and they put it into a big pot. Okay. And then for Christmas they would give they'd split it up evenly amongst the support staff, the video staff as kind of their thank you, give big thank you card from the players signed That's by all the players cool. and stuff like that. So I mean Greg used to organize that and so you see the appreciation. Now I don't know across right. the league if that's like that. I mean the Steelers are a top-notch organization, the Rooney family sure. in, in whole, and that whole organization is a top-notch organization. But, um, yeah, like you said, they're just they're just normal people, and they show the appreciation of right. it, too. They appreciate the hours that all the support staff and everybody else put in just to help them feed their family, in other words, get the money. And, yeah, sure. it's a lot of money, but still supporting their family and getting some of their family out of those the living situations that just aren't good. I mean, they use it to not only help themselves and their wives and their kids, but their moms, their brothers, sure. sisters, all that stuff. You saw that with Artie Burns and when he got right when he got drafted, he brought his younger brother up from Florida and bought a house immediately here in Pittsburgh and uh when, and lived with and basically right. act as a father for his his younger siblings. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he ended up going to a local school. I can't remember what school, yeah, but it I was it either. was somewhere on the other side of the tunnel. He ended up going yep. to, in the tunnel for anyone in Pittsburgh. It's I'm <laughs> sorry, I apologize. I just did it. I just did the Yeah, like oh by the tunnels cuz yeah. that's our landmarks, you yeah, know. Oh, anyone yeah, who's tunnel. from so I apologize to anyone who's listening who's not from Pittsburgh, but that's just what uh we I was laughing with. I think it was Jake Wellsby. He was saying that, you know, people in Pittsburgh, they don't cross rivers. <laughs> No, no, if you yeah, live on one no. side of the river, you never you don't cross over. And no, you yeah, just go through the tunnel. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's tunnel. in that area in Fox Chapel where 
you know, like yeah. he's, it, you don't cross road. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty that's accurate. So funny. Yeah. So everybody tells me, "Hey, where are you from?" Oh, I got to go through two tunnels from coming this way, or one tunnel. And they oh, look, they man. look at me like, "Yeah, yeah, right." What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you can like, <laughs> you can identify with that. Yeah, yeah. you can relate. Oh man, you know, yeah, you, you definitely feel. I had something else. I can't remember what it was uh, offhand. Um, it'll come back. Um, what's it? What's it like to? Um, you know, I, I guess in your position as an athletic trainer, you know, I guess as an, in, we'll start with you, I guess with you as an intern with the Steelers, um, you have injury information on the players. You yeah. have, you know, you have, you know, everything that when you see the injury report that comes out, um, you know, you, ha- you know, what's going on, like, but, but at the same time, like you as an athletic trainer, like you can't just tell people like, Hey, Ben Roethlisberger, Toward, you know, like everyone, mm-hmm. oh, he's, you know, and people, you know, the, the teams are being coy and all oh, he's questionable. And you're like, he's questionable. He's not playing this week. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever you know well ahead of right. time what's going you know, on or so, anything so, like that. You know, you can't just put it on social media. You can't just tell people, you know, hey, I yeah. know you work with the Steelers. So what, what's, what's, what's the deal with Ben this week? You know, like, what's that like? Um, like, you know, some, but you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, mm-hmm. I guess the, for the people that don't understand that, um, what's that like for you to have that and to have to hold that really close to the vest i want to add on to that too like why why is it so important because i can now this is nhl but i can remember (laughs) i can remember back in the early days like they used to report exactly what the injury was and Mm -hmm. nowadays you just see upper body injury upper and lower lower body that's all they need that just plays into the whole just like you said back in the day it was now everybody has a big chess match they play if they have a little bit more information than somebody else or they get a little bit less that'll give them this much more advantage so that just is is it true who knows that yeah. that's some of that's mostly the coaches and they they make the the coaches will be like okay this is what we're going to release this is what we're going to say i mean like you said in the nfl you can't really lie on it but as an athletic trainer it's a privilege to have that kind of absolutely that information um mm. something that you can also enjoy at the same time because you'll see, I mean, remember I was at Pitt, I was a senior at Pitt and I had 16 other classmates and they'd be all, oh, you see this about Ben, you see this about Ben and they'd say something and you know, it's just <laughs> off the wall and sure. you just sit there and smile to yourself in the corner. Cause you know, it's not true. But at the same time, you know that if I were to say anything and I mean, I tell, say, Hey, I, I'll tell you this, but you can't tell anybody. There's no, there's no, there's no trust in this. No. Yeah. And then all it has to do is come back to me and I could never be, one, my athletes won't trust me anymore. They won't want to come to me to tell me any situation they have. They won't want to come to me for treatments, and I'll just, I won't be able to get better, especially as a student at that time. I wouldn't be able to get any hands on experience. Um, you'll, you'll, in essence, be blackballed. Exactly. The yeah. whole yeah, entire Exactly. And just then, for being like, you know, don't tell anyone, but Ben has a broken left foot and it might fall off or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah whatever exactly. The, and like, I mean, being young too. Everybody wants you. You want to be. Oh, I'm working with the Steelers. Sure. This is cool. I know all the information. Here's the information I got. I mean, but also, you think about it. If I were to give that information, of one, I may lose the position. There was a very real. There's a very real possibility. Wig would have just told me to go home or something like. If I would have done something there's like that. There's not a possibility. It's probably. It's, it's, <laughs> it's probably, probably pretty pro- definite. Yeah. It's probably. Yeah. There's probably. A, yeah. yeah. Probably. A probability and I just wouldn't have had like yeah. a good recommendation from anybody after that too on to move on in life. What advice do you have for for just in, in that's. I mean, you, you know, and, and I've had it too, you know, like just huh. n- not as close to the vest. Um, and even I was reporting, like I knew you had that stuff, but I wouldn't go to you, you know, like, what am I doing? I'm just reporting. I can only report what, you know, Mike Tomlin says or, yeah. or what an athlete says or things like that. Um, you know, there was no way that, that, you know, like I'm just, I'm just doing a story. Everyone else is going to have the same thing. 
why, you know, so, but what can you say just about anyone who has that, uh, or anyone, I don't know, like, I mean, just to, I guess, do your job and keep, keep the info, you know, keep it close to your vest and don't yeah. go, you know, don't go, you know, I mean, I guess it's, you yeah. could have did that, it, you know, like, oh man, I'm so important. I have this and Ben's not going to play this week or, mm-hmm. you know, well, that comes down to, you know what I'm if, saying? If, like, you're, yeah. if you're in it for a popularity contest and want to gain a bunch of followers on Twitter and Instagram and all them other social media things, um, then go ahead, be, do, do, do your one year internship, gain all your followers, and then you'll never be an athletic trainer again. But I mean, it kind of, it's, it's the, the hard truth is if you don't respect this information and respect these athletes privacy, I mean, not only, yeah, it's it's wrong and you can never be an athletic trainer again, it's it's a HIPAA <coughs> violation. End of story. So you, you, ask could, about sure, you yeah. could go to jail realistically or could be fined or through anything. I mean, all these positions that you go through, we I go through a HIPAA training before I start them. It's Duke's HIPAA training, uh, WVU's HIPAA training. It was UPMC's with the Steelers, and then I had to go through a separate one at Pitt, just being a student at Pitt. Um, so they, you know how the information... <laughs> <laughs> if, if you choose to still yeah. give that information out, then you'll lose basically almost everything that you've worked for at all. You wow. might as well not even. You might as well not even. Yeah. You know, try. Yeah, good to, luck. You're not. Or yeah. Your thanks. You're not in the program anymore, but you still got to pay your student loans back. So there we oh, go. Yeah. 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 That's terrible. Um, can you speak to? You know, I, I think it's I think it's a misnomer. Um, I've seen it. I'm going in another direction. Um, <laughs> I've I've seen it. You know. I, I we've both been to practices in yeah. the NFL. We've both seen the practices. We both see how how hard the athletes work. You probably see it more than I have. Um, I feel there's a misnomer that like oh players aren't as tough as they used to be. Like back in the seventies, like Jack Lambert would have played with two broken legs yeah. and a broken <laughs> arm, and he still would have been better than these crybabies. It's flag football. Like you see, can you speak to just how you know people? The, the misnomer that like players aren't as tough and just how the players like just batter their bodies. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, you know. these, these guys, like I said before, these guys beat themselves up for their families and for their, the money that they make and for being a business. I mean, this is how they, in the NFL, this is how they put food on the table. And um, they play through a lot of things. But now, nowadays, with all the research that we've done in the medicine field and in the medical field, in the sports medical field, um, you see the long-term disabilities from these injuries. I mean, even as even even something as simple as you dislocate the tip of your finger if you don't treat that right. This is something that John Norwood really pushed on us whenever I was there. If you don't treat that right, you'll get a weird deformity where your finger will be all bent up. Yeah. And in the end, you may it, it'll just affect your quality of life. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we want to make sure that yeah, in three years when these guys are done, in fifteen years when these guys are done, they're not brain-dead zombies walking around. They're sure. not crippled and in a wheelchair at age 45 or using a walker or having to get this injection or knee replacements and all that stuff. I mean, you see that, yeah, these guys played through this and this and this, but, yeah, look at how those all those guys are used to play and look at all the – how they struggle to walk and things like sure. that. I mean, I mean, how, how new is that stuff? I mean, I, I think it was really eye-opening for me to see, like, Sidney Crosby go through those concussions. Oof. Yeah. Because – I think that was the first time I'd ever seen it treated that way because you had heard of athletes sure. getting concussions before. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, that's pretty serious. Like, you might miss a few games. But it was to the point when Crosby got the concussions, you know, it affected his vestibular system, which mm-hmm. is like his balance and stuff. Sure. So he missed almost 200 games. Yeah. He missed you know, a lot. Was, and, yeah, right. And he was still able to work out and do, like, basically he was functionally normal for the most part, but they still said he wasn't 
safe to play. Sure. And I'm like, really? After all this time? And yeah. So it's 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 definitely newer. I mean, all the research being done on concussions has been researched for years and years and years. I think done, it's still going. It's and it's, it's still, still going. New. Yes. Yeah. And um, every day it's changing. I mean, things that I learned in undergrad are already. Yeah, those are good, but here's a better way in how to treat a concussion, those kind of things. And um, I would say probably within 10, 15 years, it's really become prominent. I mean, we've seen everything with the CTE in, in football, which I I hate even talking about in the first place. Sure. But you, you see everybody blames football for CTE, but there's still so much unknown on that disease. How it, sure. They, they know that once you die... Well, what is that exactly? Just chronic traumatic encephalitis. So basically, it's oh, cephal- uh, encephalitis. Yes, it's basically like in a swelling of the brain and increasing of a, increase of a protein, which then will affect mood and all a bunch of other different mental, uh, basically causing different mental diseases. Hmm. With it, it's supposed to. It's said to be caused from repetitive, repetitive con- hits, repetitive yeah, re- subconcussive blows, sure. or, or even little hits in here and there, and so subconcussive concussive means not even causing a concussion that could that could a subconcussive blow could be a uh a passing play that pouncey bounces his head off the nose tackle i mean yeah, it's as right. simple as that is oh that could be something that's contributing to it there's repetitive ones over and over and over yeah again. and they hit each other every play mm-hmm. you know there's yeah. linemen and, yeah, and whatnot. they're saying the yeah. same thing with soccer players too you head the ball 80 yeah. times in practice and there could be some causes to that they they say but there's still like i said there's still a lot of research being done on concussions and um i think we're really reaching the proper way to treat it like you saw with sid and like we see with our athletes now we have a, a big every school that you go to has a concussion protocol and in college you we in college most of the places have a return to learn before a return to play so they get them right. back in the classroom before they get back in um on the field it's mm. just smarter yeah you yeah, also for, see just so many different specialists too being utilized like you right. said the vestibular should they have vestibular therapists well they'll go and do balance exercises as well as other vision exercises to help their vestibular system basically reset itself well if i seem to mm. recall correctly like when they really on, on sid's concussion um they really started to make progress whenever they treated his neck more yeah, the back of his neck, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, because I mean, it almost seemed like they were stumped. I mean, his career was in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, and if nobody knows, Sidney Crosby, uh, best hockey player in the world, uh, three three Stanley Cups, um, he uh, suffered a concussion at the 2011 Winter Classic, hit by David Steckel, blindside hit by Steckel, <laughs> and uh, it affected you know pretty much you know two seasons of his career essentially. Um, yeah, no, and and I think, and it almost seems like they're, you know, everyone, I mean, they're, I, I just think it's a smart move, you know, to, you know, to, to be paying so much attention to, I, I think, I think a lot, it, it almost seems financially driven, you know, but I think that's okay. I mean, if, you know, I think the, from the league standpoint, if you're the NFL, the NHL, any organization that has, you know, it almost seems financially driven in terms of like, we don't want to be sued by these guys. Yeah. And it is to but, a point, but at the same time, like if that's what it takes to protect the athletes, like, okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. That's just my, yeah, and you see it all the time. Athletes. I mean, whenever you get a concussion, you become, you have a significant emotional outburst with it at, t- at times too. Well, I kind of and, and I kind of wanted to save this for later, but we'll we'll, we'll kind of jump into it now. Um, <laughs> I, I want I wanted to save it for later, but uh, we uh, you kind of had a, a, an experience yeah. with uh, concussions and well, you had experience with, but with uh, in your athletic training career. Uh, I'm going to set the stage a little bit. Um, 
it was the biggest Big 12 game of the year, not exclu- not including the championship. It was in Morgantown. Uh, yeah, well, it was, <laughs> it was the biggest regular season Big 12 game of the year. Uh, West Virginia against Oklahoma uh, at West Virginia. Um, essentially, for, for you know, a shot to go to the Big 12 title game. Um, you kind of became uh, a television star and, yeah. uh, and an internet and sensation. An internet sensation. Uh, yeah, you were an really? internet sensation yeah. and, and a television star. Um, and, I can, and who was the athlete? I can't remember who it was offhand. Uh, one of our one, one of, of your one athletes. Of our wide we'll receivers. Go yeah, one of we'll our go wide with receivers. That. Yes, I, I'm sorry. I, I, did, I wasn't <laughs> thinking that, but yeah, one of your one of your athletes um, suffered a concussion. One of our starting wide receivers, and mm. they and um, they wanted to go back in the game, and you had their helmet, and. You and they and they were trying to get their helmet from you, and sure enough, there was a television camera recording <laughs> right there. The whole it's an ESPN yeah. Friday night game, and yeah. sure enough, sure That's enough, awesome. we yeah. were watching from home. We uh, saw you on TV. Uh, sure enough, he was trying to get. Uh, can you can you guys can you go through uh, that whole? I know we talked about it after it happened, yeah, but uh, yeah. you had some choice words that you probably can't repeat yeah. on the podcast. If Ben would have to, so, but yeah, can you go through? Just so I that? mean, yeah, this is one of the athletes who he's played every game. He started every game right. for us, and he, he's a big time contributor in multiple facets of the game and they're pretty key yeah right yeah pretty key. um took a blow to the head that may should probably should have been targeting wasn't called but that's a whole other issue in itself we'll get into that next yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other issue in itself um came off the field kind of kind of woozy complaining of different symptoms that we we're like ah this, this may be this so doesn't look good this yeah. doesn't look good so me and my team dog we took him into the tent and went from the, there in and the tent it's a concu- kind of a concussion protocol tent you know yeah, so that's injury tent what, in general right privacy for the athlete which is something that it's Alabama the created there Alabama's athletic trainers created and is it a little bit of money making scheme on their side yeah but does it provide mm-hmm. uh Privacy for the athletes when we're evaluating, absolutely. So yes, but there's a tent on the sidelines that they took him into. Go ahead, yeah. I'm sorry. Took him into a tent, did a whole evaluation. <laughs> he was determined to have uh, concussion symptoms sure. and most likely done for the game. Right, yeah. But determined by our team doctor, not me, guy with an MD. Um, so then at that point, he got very emotional, which is very... And it was a big game. I mean, it's the biggest biggest game of the year. This game of the year, right? And this isn't like we were in the fourth quarter last drive. This was this was first or second quarter, late in the first, first, early in the second quarter. Um, Pretty early. I mean, the injury he had caught a pass and got a first down, and I mean, he was contributing to the game. Sure. Um, So yeah, the kid wanted to play, and he became really emotionally aggravated and left the tent. And we had tried to keep him in the tent to calm him down, and he he kind of barged out of the tent and went went out on the sideline, and then he was looking for his helmet, and you I, had his I helmet. had his helmet in my hand, and no, um, and and then he he learned that you had his helmet, yeah, and then he learned that I had my helmet. He comes around, and turns me, and give me my helmet. I'm yeah. like, but that I, but I can't do that, Marcus. Whole, right, the whole the whole incident was was caught on. You know, the whole incident was caught. You know, like pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, we were going it, through it back and forth, and he was trying to get his helmet. Give me the helmet, blah blah blah. And at one point. I, I kept the distance from him, so I was keeping an eye on him, making sure that he didn't swing on me. Yeah, right. <laughs> and also, I look up, I peek up, and I see a TV camera. And I'm like, shoot. I was like, this is going to be on TV. I said, everybody, <laughs> TV. I said, I said everybody's going to see this. I said, this yeah. is, will be great. You were, uh, yeah, you were on TV for a good while. Uh, you were uh, a, a GIF or a, it, you were repeated. Uh, you were on Twitter a good yeah. bit. And it was, you know, yeah. it was oh, that's like, amazing. oh, yeah, that's my nephew. Yeah, that's yeah, it. And it was, it was funny. Like, I went to the, I covered the Penguin game um, and I talked to a friend who also, could, you know, he's really into college sports. And I was like, oh, yeah, my, you know, my nephew is. And I told him about it. And he was like, that was your nephew? <laughs> 
he was, like, he was like, I thought he was going to get laid out. Yeah, like, he, I, that's yeah, what he we all me. did too. Trust me. That's, that's what, even our wow. assistant athletic chair was like, yeah, he's like, man, I thought he was going to punch you to yeah. be honest with you. I was like, yeah, I, I was, I was kind of looking at his arms and where he was going to move and what was he going to do next. But I think more importantly, can you speak to that? I mean, you could have, um, can you speak to how you handle that situation? You could have given him the helmet. No, I mean, you couldn't have given it, but you know, like you're on, you're, you're under the gun. Like you don't mm-hmm. learn that. You don't learn that in a classroom. No. I mean, I'm sure, you know, like you're under the gun. You got a very, very emotional player, a very significant player on the team who really wants to play, mm-hmm. but like, you're not, can you kind of speak to how you handled the situation? You didn't give him back to help. I mean, you could have like, you know, yeah. okay, here you go. Yeah, I mean, like you, you, didn't, yeah. Yeah, you didn't do it. You protect. Yeah. Can you No, kinda... I mean, it, it all comes down to building personal relationships and trust and knowing your athletes as an athletic trainer. I mean, that's the most important thing to do as soon as you get in there as an athletic trainer is knowing how they are. So when you get in that position, you know, is this normal for this athlete or is this not normal? And obviously you could tell it was not normal. And at that point, you, that's where it becomes an advocate for the athlete. I'm going to look out for your well-being mm-hmm. no matter what you try and do to yeah. me. But no matter what, I mean, you have the the biggest concern with any concussion is second impact syndrome where you have an athlete who has a concussion goes back out to play gets hit again and their brain immediately swells and they go into a coma and seize and everything and most people don't survive something like that wow Um, that's serious so it's it's scary so i mean that's that's the biggest fear that we have with any of these athletes and that's something that i'm not going to let happen sure no matter how big the game is no super bowl wherever we're at this was a big this was a game for the big 12 championship yeah it's a big game um west virginia never been there before this was supposed to be their season and yeah and I, we just couldn't do it. And sure. it also helped to have the support of, you had the support of your strength staff and your head athletic trainer who helped to corral, they the, in. Who yeah, helped right. to corral the yeah. athlete and calm him down while I went and hit his helmet before coming back to get him and continuing the evaluation. In. Yeah. Thank goodness they were there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what, Sam, just give him his helmet. Yeah. yeah just right. Give, yeah, that's that's yeah. when I would just look like the fool on the sidelines. Yeah, but well, no, but I you mean, did the right thing. No, yeah. it, it was interesting seeing things on, I, I would go through and scroll through some of the comments that you would see on Twitter from people. And it was impressive. It, most, most of it was positive, which was, it really which was. was good to see. Yeah. Then there were a the few people like, oh, why is this kid sitting there teasing him with the helmet? And <laughs> the, the, Everybody, I was talking Got about Got your I think, helmet. Yeah, I think, we're, I think we were talking about this. I was like, I had two options at the moment. I said I could sat there and kept my distance like I did. Or the other option was turn and walk the other way. And then he would have just been chasing me around the sideline with his helmet. And that would have looked even worse on TV. I said, yeah. it's just a big old cartoon scene of somebody some chasing it. Yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. I said, so, so I'm good with how it handled and, and I, something that like, I do again, like you said, you have to protect your athletes against yeah. themselves. Sometimes they just, it's yeah. real dangerous. So to backtrack a little bit, you kick at Akron. Yep. Um, you go from kicking at Akron Akron, you made a switch to focus on athletic training, and and you transferred to the University of Pittsburgh to Pitt. Yeah. Um. When do you kind of? When did you kind of like? All right. You know, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm kind of tired of this. Akron. Like, I'm. I'm going full throttle to athletic training. I'm gonna transfer to Pitt. Like, when? When did you kind of like come up and, and make the decision? Like, yeah, I'm gonna go for this. Yeah. So I, I. So coming out of high school, man, I had. I had an ego and I thought I was the best <laughs> thing in the world and I was gonna I was getting recruited by all these schools LSU and, LSU LSU and uh, all these pin pit and all these big time schools and then yeah. I settled for a preferred walk-on not even a scholarship preferred walk-on 
at Akron. So yeah, I took that and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this. Well, from the first day I was there, the first the number they gave me was 68 as a kicker. So it was like almost you, your episode you, you, almost, number. Almost my episode number. <laughs> yeah, almost. almost. So so you you realize that one that it wasn't like okay, I wasn't the big star. So that was an ego check too sure, to sure. get there. Um, but then after a while, I mean, I, I worked my tail off for a year at Akron. Yeah. I lifted and everything, and I had some some injury issues, some knee issues that was just. I really sat down with myself at the end of the full year. So after my first two semesters right. at Akron and in the summer and I was trained, I had my off season program. I was still working out with and still planning on doing it with football. And then I sat down with myself and really said, do I continue to do this or do I get to athletic training, which was what I've always wanted to do. Yeah, right. what I wanted to do. I was eventually going to go to athletic training. The plan was major in exercise science and then go to master's for pre-professional athletic training. I would have still got the athletic training, but I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I had now. Absolutely. Well, especially with what you're doing now. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. yeah it would have. So you it tra- wouldn't have been good. Right. No, absolutely. So you transferred to Pitt. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you ahead. know what? Uh, I wanted to hang on that a little bit sure. because I, I kind of had this similar... Mm decision that I faced in high school because I really wanted to be a good swimmer. Yeah. Um, I was pretty talented with it Yeah, uh, as far as like technique and stuff like that goes, uh, working like super hard. Like I was doing morning, afternoon, and then late evening practices, like all, all season long, really thinking about, you know, I looked at Clarion to maybe go and, and swim there, which is a D2 school. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, that's a good college it is, for swimming Yeah. It's a good yeah. program. Um, it is. so I eventually got to the place though, and I was still in high school, probably, it probably was my senior year. I started realizing, uh, it partially was like how hard I was working and I wasn't making the progress that I wanted to make. And, and kind of a similar, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that combined with, we had, um, we had one guy that was like a walk onto the team, like never swam before. Yeah, yeah. And he was nearly breaking like all our records and like whenever you see that you're like i've worked my tail off for years and, yeah right, and this right, guy yeah. just comes right in and hold on here <laughs> and yeah. just blows you out of the water and i think it was that realization there that helped me see you know maybe <laughs> maybe i'm just not gifted to be able to do this like it doesn't sure. matter at this point like how hard i work i'm not gonna ever be able to beat that guy yeah so yeah but you followed your natural gifting. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly. You, right. So I had to make some decisions. Like, like you, I you can were either... passionate about swimming, but you did. But like the natural gifting and the natural, like you liked it. But right, right, sure. Just like Sam, like kicking. But I guess the question, the question I had to face was, you know, it's not that I couldn't have kept swimming. Sure, right. Yeah. Like I could continue to work and struggle through that, but I had to ask myself, you know, is this worth it? Is there something else I could do? And so. Uh, something else that might give you more experience, like working with the Steelers, like working with Duke, like working with West Virginia University. Exactly. So I'm just curious sure. if it, somebody else listening to this is whether they're in, in high that, school or college yeah. or facing that decision, like, you know, what, what would your advice to them be as far as, you know, deciding is it worth it to pursue, I guess, the athletic career versus something else you could do? Like what questions you need to ask? Yeah. And, I mean, ultimately, my biggest advice would be like I've said with even the guys who I who are my athletes, you got to look long term. I mean, I sat down with myself when I thought about it, and and unfortunately, I was already had already been at Akron for a year. Yeah. But I I said I'm I'm five eight hundred forty four pounds soaking wet. I said I'm not gonna make it to the NFL. Let's be realistic. I'm yeah. playing. I said I'm I'm not even starting and sniffing that right now. Yeah. But ultimately, I think you really just need to look at yourself in the mirror and see what you're truly passionate about you got to pull pros and cons from everything and sometimes it's 
sometimes it's trial and error like I did. You go in, you go, you go, okay, I, I, I'm convinced. You convince yourself that this sure. is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to be good at it. And then way through, you realize, oh, I'm not. And it's okay to just back mm. off and change. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody, change course. everybody is so dead set on, I need to finish college in four years. It took me five years. Yeah. I, I It took me five years to finish college. And then- You're still in school. I'm still in school. Exactly. For your I master's. took, I took the still, year off and yeah. now I, got, I still have 18 more months to go before right. I'm done for good. Um, <laughs> you sound excited about I'm, that. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> counting down the days. Um, but yeah, you just have to you have to really look at yourself in the mirror. You have to sure. determine what you love and what you're truly passionate about. I truly had a passion for athletic training, and it was something that at times came easy to me. Yeah, right. The information that I was learning, I I was able to understand it and process it better than like sitting down in a chemistry class which you, or physics class, which is challenging to understand, but the anatomy courses and the athletic mm, training courses sure. really seemed to come easier to me. And yeah, it right. was something that I felt I had a natural a gift for. Mm. Um, and then it, then I I kind of just, from there, I just kind of had to let myself be guided into the right direction. After mm. I took, I quit football after a year, yeah, right. stayed at Akron for a year to take classes. And then after that, I looked at the two programs at Akron and Pitt and I would have graduated the same time. I was still taking five years either sure. way. Um, but the opportunities that I saw that I had a pit um, and some of the financial situations as well <laughs> just caused me to come home. To, it was better to come back to pit, basically, sure, come sure. home. Mm. Unfortunately, it was home. I, and that was one of the things I wanted. I wanted to get away whenever yeah, I, was, right. I was 18. I'm going to get out of the house, and I'm going to do all this stuff, and I'm going <laughs> to go explore. Then I'm like... Yeah, you it's cheaper what? to come to Pitt. Yeah, yeah. I, I got home cooked meals fifteen minutes away. Yeah, I'm it's coming true. home. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah I'm coming back to Pittsburgh. You know what? I'm gonna come <laughs> home. <laughs> um, but yeah, all the opportunities and and, and it, it was one of the best decisions I made. But I wouldn't have ever made that decision two years prior. I would have football, yeah. football, football. It was something yeah, that right. I had to kind of just discover myself. And those two years at Akron, not only that I discovered like truly where I wanted to be, but I, I learned a lot of other lessons and just life lessons in itself. Sure. Um, situations inside and outside of the classroom that you had to deal with and you had to learn about yourself and learn just how to deal with different things in life too. Yeah. And it, it was, and it, so that's, so everybody goes, oh, you wish you would have never gone to Akron. And I'm like, ah. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm glad yeah, I did. It was, it taught me things and it was part of the, the journey that I'm just, that you're just going on. Is it is it more about and, and you talked about like athletic training was your natural gifting yeah. like I feel I feel writing is a natural gifting for me like I I could work a sixteen hour day and like yeah it's a hard day but like writing comes easy to me like writing the medium you know and, and Ben music like you sit down and you can record for sixteen hours and like yeah is that a hard day yeah it's a hard day but you know athletic <laughs> training yeah. right sure <laughs> it's a hard but, day but, yeah. Um, it's not, yeah. but at the same time like is but it's it a, fun though right like, sure you, absolutely you almost get like. You get a satisfaction well, in, in a, a weird way. I get like obsessed with it. Like, oh, yeah. because you love it so much, you want it to be good. Whereas something else that you don't care about, it's just, you're it, just punching a clock. Yeah. You're punching oh, yeah. a clock and it's, it, it's mer I don't, I can't think of the word right now, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, I don't even know. How living, <laughs> yeah. It's like living a living hell to try to, sure. to, you know, deal with something you're not passionate about. And, Absolutely. And, and how important is it to follow that natural gifting of, you know, writing, music, athletic training, whatever it is, like just something that like, man, I'm, you know, like, yeah, just, yeah, just like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a it's, natural passion. It's great to follow that natural passion. And I, I'm very fortunate that my natural passion is something that I also love. Oh yeah. 
I mean, there's many people who you're good at something, but they just don't like doing it. Sure, sure. Or they they get sick of it very quick, and they don't want to do it anymore, and that can be challenging. But um, ultimately, if you find that mix where you're passionate about it and you're gifted at it, you'll you'll feel much less like you're working. Like sure. you, like you said, yeah. you get the, you get through these days. I mean, these days that we work training camp for football, we're 16, 18 hour days. And yeah, we're tired and yeah, yeah. we complain towards the end of it, but <laughs> at the end do. of the day, I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. trade anything else for it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else or I wouldn't want to be doing anything else of where I'm at. Now, obviously, we know the end of the story. We know that you've worked with the Steelers, we know you yeah. worked with West Virginia. Uh, we know you've worked with Duke. With that said, um you still have the transfer to Pitt and you and you still and correct me if I'm wrong, um but you you had your eye pretty much set on that Steeler internship. Is that yeah. like can can you speak to you know, having the goal of the, you know, and you knew that was out there. You knew that yeah. was a possibility to, to become an intern with the Steelers. Um, can you speak of, okay, I'm going to transfer to Pitt. Um, you didn't have it yet at the time. You know, no. you still, you had, no. you got it. Sorry. I didn't, I wasn't, Sorry, whenever, spoilers. I tra- whenever I transferred to Pitt, I <laughs> didn't, I wasn't even admitted to the athletic training program. Sure. When right. I started classes the first day, I, it was, I had to take a year of prereqs before I could even apply for the athletic training really? program. Yeah. So I, I went in with a, I, I, I'm going to work my tail off and try and get into this program and, to start off with. And, and I think that might be an understatement to, you know, it, can you, can you kind of speak to, you had a goal that you knew this was a possibility that like, yeah. Hey, I can get an internship with the Pittsburgh Steelers. If, you know, if this happened, can you speak to not only the goal, um, but just the laser focus of like, I'm going to do this, you mm-hmm. know, it's almost what you talked about with football, but you, but you nailed it this time. Like, yeah. this is my goal. And, and this is what I want. I'm going to nail it. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a, like I said, I had a lot of role models. We had a, one of my world history teachers in high school, uh, Mr. Lewis, who was in the army and everything. And always talked about setting goals. He yeah, used to yeah. have a goal as a kid to, to have a, an RV and tailgate at all the, uh, Penn state football games. And, oh, he, wow, he, yeah. and he does that now. Yeah. So he has it, but so I've always been big on, on setting goals and you want to set many different goals, <laughs> short term, long term. Um, but yeah, coming in, I knew that, being in the Pitt Athletic Training Program had this opportunity to become an intern with the Steelers. Not only would that be a great opportunity, but it would also set me up well with recommendations if I did my if I did my job. Just yeah. simply getting you the position, do it. exactly. Just simply getting the position or getting in, I wasn't going to get it. It's not going to be handed to you. No, you know, I mean, you got to. So yeah. it was something that I had to take everything that I learned from classes, from my pre classes, and everything I learned in life too of how to be a professional. And that's not a, and that's a professional as a person when you're dealing with people, how you, how you handle situations with people and how you handle things with the athletes. I mean, there's many times being a student was even harder. Yeah. I'm the same age as some of these people were older than me. Um, as a student, you see these guys out on the streets, out on, out of the bars, but you have to draw that line with them still. And that was something really big that I've always harped on. And now I, now I harp on with my students who at WVU who are, who I'm precepting now is you have to be professional in anything you do for people to respect you and for people to trust that you know what you're talking about. You can't go out and drink with the starting quarterback or the wide receivers. No, and and not even, not even drink. If you're at, if you're at one end of the bar and they're at the other end and you're acting a fool in the corner and they see that. Well, that's not going to go out of their mind, and you think that they're the only ones going to know. They're going to text a buddy. They'll, nowadays, they'll take a video of you. You'll end up on <laughs> somebody's snap story or any anything like that. You kids and in your Snapchat. yeah, and, and it'll, it's it's dangerous with the social yeah, yeah. media nowadays. But yeah, you huh. really have to just 
carry yourself in a very professional way. And I mean, I had that at Duke too. I had athletes say, Hey, you come down to the bar with us today. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, uh, I'll go next month. I'll go next month. Yeah, and, yeah. And so you, you, you joke around and they, know, and at the bottom of their heart, they knew I was never they coming. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, you have to draw that line and, and set that goal. And by setting those goals and establishing those characteristics of a good athletic trainer or of a good person, that's kind of where the laser focus came in. I knew what I had to do. I knew from talking to other people what John Norrie with the Steelers expected as a person. Yeah. I knew what Kevin Conley expected, who was the director of the athletic training program. I knew what my professors needed, all my preceptors sitting down. And I mean, athletic training is great. You have, at the beginning of the semester, you sit down, you stay set goals. You set yeah, goals yeah. with your preceptor every semester. What do I want to do? What do I want to do? And then halfway through, they give you an evaluation. I'm I'm thankful that my preceptors were pretty straightforward with me. Yeah, they said, yeah. "Hey, you're doing this well, this well, but you really need to focus on this. You need to focus on this. You need to stop doing this. Get a little better with this." And you have to take that as coaching, constructive sure. criticism. Yeah. Some people would get hurt by that. Yeah, you know, yeah. they don't like me and this and that. And <clears throat> at the end of the day, you have to go. Okay, this is how I can better myself. Sure. And look into and just better yourself to reach that your ultimate goal. And again, it's it's a little bit egotistical, and sometimes you you miss out on things. There's plenty of things as a, as a college student that I didn't do. The late some a lot of the late nights crazy stuff. Once I got in the athletic training, late night party and all that stuff, you had to give up because I had you're, six a.m. workouts. Well, you're focused. Yeah, exactly. Too, yeah. I mean, you, I could go hungover to these workouts or whatever, but that's, that's not going to get me where I'm going to be. That's about being a professional, right. too. exactly. Just like I said, being a professional, right. you got to carry yourself how you want to be seen. Okay. I want to be seen respected. I want to be seen like I know what I'm talking about and like I'm under control of myself. This is how you have to carry it. And if you don't, people won't respect you the same way. How'd you get the internship? There's only one spot. I know it came down. Yeah. To, I know it came down to two, but, yeah. that, but just in, in general, so, like, yeah, so, they, so you, so you laid out all that. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and here you are maybe telling me, well, this is how you do it. Okay. How do I do it? How'd you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so, okay, here so, it is. Like, how do I do it now? So Pitt, there's, I'm not sure how it is anymore. Sure. But, that's, um, but whenever I was there, there was a two student intern positions, one that was given to Duquesne University senior and one that was given to a Pitt Univer uh, University of Pittsburgh senior. Mm. Um, you had to have a cover letter, resume, and uh, letters of reference, submit all of those to the Steelers, and then they would call you in for, they called three candidates in for a sit-down interview. How were you picked? I mean, I'm not saying, how were you picked? You know what I'm saying? But how, yeah. how, how did, like, okay, I'm going to choose you, you know, like yeah. just for... So I, I know for, as far as the sit-down interview, I was sure. chosen one of three for the sit-down interview. Yeah, because there's, um, there's a lot in the class. And yeah. yeah. I had I had good reference letters. Sure, they, sure. They, people would have written good references, and I had connections to... Uh, Steve Myers wrote me a letter of recognition oh, yeah, at that Steve, time. He was the former Woodland Hills grad, and he yeah. was, he's a, a coach with the. He was, was a, a, coach, he was a was quality a, control with the Steelers. Right. Yeah, so he, so great. Steve wrote me a, a little letter of recommendation. It always helps to have that little person on the inside Absolutely. too. Steve's a good um, dude. So that may have got me in the door, and then once I got <laughs> in the door, it was all about my interview skills at that point. Um, I remember sitting down and man, I was nervous going in. You're walking yeah. in the Steelers <laughs> facility, and Did you walk past the Lombardis. No, those were they, upstairs. Okay. We were yeah, down. We were I didn't downstairs, know where you had done But yours. I know I sat down and we were sitting there. Three, all four, three or four of us were sitting in our suits. Sure, and sure. All uptight, fresh shaven, fresh haircut, all that stuff. And what here, are you in, here for? In, in comes Marquise Pouncey, and he oh, just yeah. starts making fun of you left and right, and <laughs> and, and, and you and, and it was it was intimidating. But you at the same time, Pounce this is, is a big this guy. what you want to be. He's a big guy. And he's, he's a big, big jokester, but he's a he's a great person he's a good too. Guy. But yeah. And then we start interviewing from there. And I, at the same time, like I said, you have to portray 
your interview skills. Sure. And that comes with practice as well. And I think one of the big things that, that John Norwig told me after... John Norwig is the, the head athletic trainer with the Pittsburgh yes. Steelers. But go on, I'm sorry. He told me after I interviewed, he said one of the big things they liked is I had never had a football rotation experience. I never had experience working football before, which he saw as a downside. And he was like, ah, yeah. this, is, this is kind yeah, of concerning yeah. because we want someone who... Yes, they wanted to learn, but at the same time, we need you to do the tasks sure, in, right. this, in this job. Um, but he said the confidence that I portrayed in myself during my interviews huh. was a big reason why they chose me. Yeah, to do yeah. He said, yeah, I portrayed a lot of confidence. I spoke with confidence. I was confident in myself, and I was he, I was well-dressed and everything. I remember <laughs> I remember a couple months down the line, we were in training camp or something, and it, it had to have been like 12 days in, and I hadn't shaven. And John goes, man, you were nice and shaven during that interview. <laughs> goes, now, now, I don't know about that. <laughs> of course, the next day I shaved. But yeah, right. <laughs> I think you might have answered my question already, but what I was going to ask you, okay, so if you have to pick one thing that's the most important thing to remember in an interview... Yeah. Like what, what's that thing? What's the most important thing, do you think? I think, like I said, confidence okay, in yourself. So you yeah, yeah, com- yeah. yeah, confidence in yourself and kind of, you, you need to know why you want this position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's why do you want to be here? Oh, because I want to work with the Steelers and be on the sideline during the games. <laughs> that's not going to fly. That's not see a great answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See you next. Um, well, we'll see you later. Yeah. It's been fun. I've been here for five minutes. Yeah, no, no that's all right. We're done. Um, but you really need to know why you want it and then why you're passionate for your field. So confidence comes kind of with all of that. Why are you confident that, yes, I really want to do this job? Why do you love this field and why are you dedicated to this field? I think that's a great answer because you're, you are going to get that question. Yes. So yeah. it is important Absolutely. to know like because it is easy to go through life and just kind of do things that fall into your lap at times and to be naturally gifted at things yeah. too right you know like so I'm, then all of a sudden it like, just comes at second nature when you have to do an interview and somebody asks you well you know why do you want this job or you know why is this company important to you like you got to be ready to yeah. like get it's that almost answer. like and, I, and, I, <laughs> and sometimes you want to be this you want to be this positive individual sure. and and that's what people want to bring into their yeah yeah but at the same time you also want to not debate back and forth with somebody or not getting an argument back and forth, yeah, but yeah. you want to defend yourself and yeah, kind of yeah. fight to prove this is why I'm good enough for this position yeah. in these interviews and fight sure. to prove that this is why you should hire me over the four other people. You don't know who Absolutely. you're going up against. At that time, I knew who I was going up yeah, against, yeah. but all these other interviews, they send resumes, cover letters. You have a phone interview. You don't know who they just interviewed right before you. You yeah. need to know why you're the best and why you are fully committed to this and job. And to say that I am the best. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I'm, I'm the guy you want, it, not it, There's this a other difference guy. between egotistical sure. and confidence. And that's something that I was told the line. in high school and something I didn't really deal with as well in high school. But <laughs> as you get older, you really learn there's a high ego and then there's confidence. Mm-hmm. And that line right there is really what you have to tell because sure. you don't want someone who coming in here and thinking they're the best and they're invincible. You want someone who's confident, willing to learn and takes accountability for themselves if they do make the mistakes. Yeah. So you, you got hired with the Steelers, which was awesome. Yes. Got went with the year. Um, what were your responsibilities? What did you learn in that year? It was it was a heck of a year for you. But what? And and I, I got a little bit more. But just I guess you know your responsibilities. What did you learn? Kind yeah. of you know I mean with a big time internship with an NFL football team. Yeah, I mean as a, as an intern as a student intern, I wasn't even a certified yeah, athletic right. trainer at the time. Uh, one, they have to be very the athletic trainers have to be very careful as to what we do because of the agents and all the legal stuff and everything. But you don't get as much necessary hands-on. You don't get to create the rehab programs or do all the evals immediately. But I had had two great mentors in uh, Sonia 
and Dino, who were both acted as my preceptors, who, who really made sure that we were engaged as much as possible with that. But the other big things we had to do were to kind of make sure that the team functioned as a machine. So there's Gatorade fridges that needed stocked. Those need those were our responsibilities to be stocked, and they weren't they weren't John come in and tell us and hey we need this stock. No, they need to be stocked, and we're told practice trunk or practice trunks were stocked or trunks that we the traveled trunks with. were the that was the uh, the the equipment and things mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, name. we go we on, pack all our gear, all our right. medicines, and anything like that. All those trunks and stuff that you see on the sideline, we'd have to pack all those up, and it was our responsibility to make sure everything was in there. Now, John, now some there. people some people <laughs> double checked us being students with that, but <laughs> I, I would I still double check my students now, but it's a uh, it, it, the big responsibilities so the team functions as a whole. Yes, setting, right. setting up, breaking down for practice. Um, little things, cleaning the tables. I mean, little things so you make sure these athletes don't get sick. And then if you show that you can do the little things or the, the things that are your main responsibilities aren't necessarily athletic training duties, uh, you were given other responsibilities such as, hey, John will write up a program and have me go take some on the underwater treadmill. Something as simple as you're not creating the program, but you're still running a professional yeah. athlete through that program and, and, um, and under tr- under direct supervision of you, not with anybody else watching over you or right. anything. You have a, a multi-million dollar athlete and here you are, you know, putting them through, like you might not have been able to do it, but you know, the program, like you might not put it together, but at yeah. the same time, like here you are put, you know, like here's the program they have and, and I'm the one supervising this $8 million athlete or whatever, exactly. you know, um, what was it like, you know, when you're getting your, and, and I guess for, for anybody, like you didn't have, you know, you, it, I guess being a self-motivator in terms yeah. of, um, I have to, I, I know what I have to do. I have to stock these trunks. I have to move the, you know, and, and I guess, can you speak to just being a self-motivator and doing it yourself and not having a guy, you know, not having John Norwig or any one of your other supervisors come in and say, well, you know what, Sam, you should stock, go, you know, it, mm-hmm. can you kind of speak to that, um, in terms of like, I know I need to do this and I know I need to get this done. And if I do this well, maybe it leads to me working with yeah. the athletes more. And that's not something that I like, and, came out of nowhere naturally. I mean, it was stuff that was, that was coached to me through my evaluations, through my preceptors. And there'd and, be times so, where you'd sit some around. Others, yeah. Yeah, some others might not like, oh, one below that I should be working with exactly. the athletes. You know what I'm exactly. saying? But go on, I'm sorry. But yeah, it's, it's, you have to really understand your role in whatever position you have. Sure. As a student, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at. And my career, but I'm in this facility and I have responsibilities and I need to prove that I can still get the job done. Right. Um, and like you said, that being a self-motivator, it didn't some, it wasn't something that came naturally. I had to really pay attention to it and eventually it came naturally. Sure. But at first, I mean, there's times where I'd be sitting around and there's TVs and there's music and you find yourself staring off TV. And yeah, right. That's whenever you sit down with your preceptors and stuff like that. And when you're evals and they'd go, hey, maybe you could do this. Simple things is make heel and lace pads that you put on whenever you tape an ankle for somebody. Right. A little bit of Vaseline, two pads together, and that's about it. It's, it's simple to make and it's monotonous and extremely boring, but every <laughs> athletic training student does it and and it's something that you have to do and something that has to be done because they aren't there for taping it'll take twice as long to tape and tape guys up and it's already a run through a big mess whenever we're trying to tape everybody and i guess just those things that like you know man i'm i shouldn't be doing that you know what i'm saying like those things that um you know i'm beneath like no like i gotta do this this stuff has to be done yeah and you you can't and you can't like i said yeah it's nice to be rewarded but you can't expect rewards at the same time Mm. i i would love to do everything i do and and be rewarded for it but there's many times where as athletic trainers we're not doing, rewarded for anything. Doing the grunt work. We're too. doing the grunt work, and we're doing the grind, and we're we're in the we're the first ones in, last ones out of the facility, and um, 
sometimes the dinner's all gone before we get up there, so yeah, we right. got to go to McDonald's or you go to Sonic down the street or something. But that's all right because at the end of the day, you see, it's really it's it's always really nice and sentimental, I guess you can call it, on uh, senior day or after the last game of the season. All your seniors, a lot of the seniors who you really see appreciate come in and sure. thank you. We had a couple guys do that this year right after the Camping World game awesome. come in right, and right. thank you for all that you've done, especially the five-year guys or four-year guys who've been here for a while. And uh, So you, you see the appreciation there, and that's kind of what I work for in it all. I mean, I don't. It, it's sure. great to get a big gift or gear or extra this or any, any of all of that. And it's great. And the all, shoes but, you have on now. Yeah. The shoes I have on now <laughs> that they, that we wore for games. I mean, it's, that's, that's all great. And it's all definitely a perk of working football and whatnot, but really being able to see the appreciation, of the athletes sure. and really just seeing that these athletes really, then they come back to you. They go, yeah, they, right. I'm coming back to you because you helped me once. I need your advice for this. Or then, yeah, they'll right. come, then they'll come out of nowhere. Some of them have come up for, I've gotten some off the wall advices for yeah. just nothing athletic training related and just life in general. So I'm right. doing this and this, or I got this situation with this and this, and you're like, "Whoa!" You're like, "Okay, I'll help you out. Give me a second, though. Hold on let, here. let me yeah. let me switch brain, switch my yeah. brain from where I was at." What was it like? Um, John Norwig's one of the best in the world. Yeah. Uh, super classy guy. I mean, yeah. I, John's great. I, I love seeing him in the locker rooms. He's the head athletic trainer for the Steelers. What was it like to work with a guy like John, one of the best in the in the in in the country and in the world, uh, and a professional football team too at the same time? Yeah, National Athletic Training Association Hall of Fame member John Norwig. I mean, he's uh, like you said, he's, super classy. He's, he's one of the best guys. Yeah. He's one of the he he. If you work your tail off, he. He helps you out sure. no matter what. He he was a great individual to work under. He was intense at times, and there was times when you you knew that it was time to get down to business, yeah, game right. days especially. Yeah. And there was times where, where John would say things or do things, or there's times where <laughs> I was moving a little too slow on a, on the sideline, and John would take things, and he would do it instead. And yeah, you, yeah. you can get hurt by that, or you could just take it as, okay, this is what needs to be done a little sure, faster. Sure. But after the game, I mean, he was, always, he was never held grudges or anything like that and anything like that but he was a great person to work under i mean probably one of my biggest role models someone i still keep in touch with today um happened last year we were on the beach actually and <laughs> this is a good story we were so i was at duke last year and uh done with the steelers had been with duke for six seven months at that point and we went to the beach down mm-hmm. in emerald island north carolina somewhere we never go we usually go to bethany up in maryland or somewhere like that so this is the first time we've ever been down there before as a family and we go down, and we're me, mom, and dad are walking on the beach one day, walking on the beach, and we see a bunch of people with Steelers stuff. And you're, oh, cool, Steelers fans. Like, yeah, they're everywhere. That's all right. And we walk past. I'm looking, I'm like, man, that looks weird. And then I walk, we walk back, we turn around, walk back, and I see the cooler that we got as a gift for Christmas <laughs> on there. And I'm looking at it. Yeah, that's Wig. So, of course, he was two houses down from us. Like seven months later, he's two houses down. We go over, we talked to him, we ended up having dinner one night at his house with him. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and he was a. It was it was a great just it was funny to see that and he they had also sure. never been down there before too it was their yeah, first right. time they'd ever been down there before but like it's weird how things happen like that too yeah it's in life and there's a lot of a lot of things where when I even coming from Duke to West Virginia things kind of happen in your life to either keep you in touch with people or mm-hmm. to guide you in a different path but like I, like I said I've always kept in touch with John and he was him and his wife would walk their dog up and down every morning and they'd stop and say hi to not just me but my mom my sure. dad my sisters and everything like that and he would talk this time I was still looking for a GA position so he was asking me if there's anything that I needed at the time or what was going on keeping updated um, like you said one of the best in the business one of the, just the best human beings He's a good Tru- guy. truly truly the 
you see that from the Steelers organization and the Hall mm-hmm. and the Rooney family, truly just cut from the same mold, basically. They're just great human beings to be around. At the same Very time, like you said, a business thrown it, you, yes. know, you saw a lot of it. What was it like to to work with professional athletes in the in the sense of like, you know, you got to have thick skin. I mean, you're thrown right into the yeah. fire. Um, yeah. And and I've you know I've you know it, when you're in this kind of industry, that sort of thing. What's it like, you know, to work with professional athletes? To work with, I mean, you're in a high intense. Yeah. Um, what's it like? To, you know, you're thrown into the fire. Uh, what's it like to to have to have thick skin in some of those situations? Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta. They say one thing, and it's it's in the heat of the moment. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah they're they're heat of the moment. Or... They're aggravated because they had a bad game, or they're aggravated because they had a bad practice, or their rehab's not taken or not going as quick as they wanted it to. And they're frustrated in general. And sometimes they're just joking around and you're just like, all right, I just, if you joke, you can't do that back and forth joke thing. Cause then it's like, it's a little different. You just yeah, gotta right. take what you guys take the, what they're making fun it. of you and go on from there. But like I said, they're, they're <laughs> still, they're, they're very being a college or being a professional athlete. They know what they want at this time. Sure. Most of these guys, unless they're rookies, they're coming in, they know how to take care of their bodies so they're very it's very high maintenance at times some guys are some guys aren't some guys want uh rolled out stretched certain ways every day they want use the laser machine which will heat up their their muscles beforehand um Mm. people want specific people to tape their ankles so it, it gets very particular at times um but like you said you can't be hurt by oh he's going to her and not me to tape my ankles or he said or, this to me he, he said, doesn't like yeah, me he said this to me he doesn't like me and then the next day everything's you just have to kind of go with the flow because these athletes are going through so much in their heads and memorizing the playbook and trying not to get cut i remember one of the athletes told me he said his sister broke it down with the steelers he was a it was ray vinopal actually right before he got right when he was with mm-hmm. the steelers in the preseason he said right. his sister told him she says i don't know how you do this job she goes Every single day you come to work and you beat the crap out of your body and you work your tail off and everything you do is scrutinized microscopically under a camera and millions of dollars are on the line. Yeah. And you're and I, I, he said that and he just took a step back and you're like, wow, you're like you never really think about it. Right. And until you, you, you see that business, everybody says, oh, go play football. Yeah, you're not right. good enough. You're cut. No, it's it's a lot of stress on the mind too. So these, you have to, like you said, have thick skin. How do you grow that thick skin? You, I mean, because I've, I've seen, yeah. sometimes you sometimes you just have to you have to know one what you're getting into, know <laughs> where you're know where you're at, know like what your role is. Because there'd be times people say things to John or Dino or some of the full times, and they they go back and forth a couple of times because they're on that level and they, they can, can do, do that. that. Yeah. At my level, you understand I can't do that. Yeah. I need to sit where I'm at, and then you just sometimes if it's really something that maybe yeah did hit you a little hard, you just, just you laugh it. it off and turn around and walk away and get over sure. it, and then go back to your job. What was it like? Um, just, I, I guess, you know, can you speak to some of the travel that you did? You know, you you traveled. You the season opener was was at Washington. Yeah. Um, people people think you know oh, you're working with athletes and you're hobnobbing and you're you know you don't see the work behind it. Uh, but I want to kind of point out a couple things. You're what you went through with your travel to Washington, yeah. your travel to Kansas City, and how that got you to the AFC Championship game. Basically, I, I'm, the, the season opener was in Washington. Yes. Uh, we can you know run that down a little bit. Uh, how you got to Kansas City, the Kansas City was an AFC divisional playoff game, and then that set you up for the AFC Championship game. Can you kind of break down like what yeah. you the extra effort that you went through in all two of those situations that led to the AFC Championship yeah, game? Yeah, so, so one of us, there's two interns, and one of us were able to travel to every single game, but if we could 
get to the other games, John said he'll get us a hotel room and a credential and we'll work the game. We just have to get our own travel. So that's a one that was a great opportunity. Right. First game of the season was a Monday night game. Um, so neither of us interns, he actually put, he actually put the PT fellow at the time on the flight. He said, y'all have classes. He said, I don't want you to miss some classes because we leave the day before. I said, all right, that's fair. I said, but if I get down there, you'll give me a pass. He looks at me kind of weird. And he's like, <laughs> Why? Sure. He goes, you better not miss any class. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to miss any class. And this is like the day before this your class. This is a Monday night game. This is a Monday night game. We're is... talking su- Saturday, Sunday. So this is a Monday night season opener, kickoff game, big time game against the Redskins. And and just and this is your I, first I, it's, game. It's the this first is, yeah. game. I was eager to just be a part of the actual game. I mean, we had done the preseason games, but it's, 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 it's regular yeah. season. I want to be a part of this and I want to be a part of all of it. So... Like I said, it comes from a support system. But fortunately, my dad, who works at Pitt, he... My brother is great. Go ahead. I got done with class at noon. He met me outside of the building that I had class in, in the car, ready to go. And we got in there and immediately drove from there (laughs) to FedEx Field. Which is is about about a four hour. And then we... But as soon as we hit the Beltway, it was... The DC Beltway, it was... Stop and go traffic. So it probably took us a good five and a half hours. I was in the athletic training room uh, by 530. I think it was a 730 kick. So they had already been there, and they usually get there about four or five hours before kickoff. So things have been going on, but I was there, and um, I just remember John shaking his head. I had my credentials (laughs) to get in. I remember John shaking his head and smiling when I first got in the door. He goes, your dad make it okay? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's parking a car right now. Um, but then, then I was able to go there and I worked the whole game and I made the effort. And then as soon as the game was over, so got done around We're talking 1130. Like midnight. Yeah. Yeah. We get in the car, me and dad, and we drive back home and we got home probably 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. And he went to work. I went to class the next morning. Um, but it's that kind of sacrifice. Yeah. That, it's, but, but that's the kind of things that as a, as a student that I had to do, I mean, to yeah. be a part of things. And I, I, I did a couple other games, not that significant i was able to go night before and it was weekends and stuff like that but still other games that you had to get to on your own and i could have easily sat at home and shoot i'll take a day off that's fine for me but i wanted to be a part of this and i wanted to show that i was truly committed to this what yeah. happened to kansas city so kansas city again it was it would have been myself and the other student intern back and forth back and forth and the uh, pt intern had to get himself to all the games so he yeah. didn't get included on anything so the first playoffs game the first away playoff game john decided to put him on the flight as yeah. a resident he had worked his tail off he's pete had done everything sure, sure. he had so pete went on the plane and um so i was like man like playoffs like this i don't want this to be the so last it's a game big, yeah, it's like, a big game i was like know? i was like yeah. i want to be again i want to be a part of this this is what i've worked hard for to be a part of yeah so i was originally going to drive to Kansas City from Pittsburgh, looking at it, looking at it. And, and, it was, and we were like, okay, okay, it's not that bad. Like, it's a long drive. And we were even talking about renting a car to not put the miles on. But then that ice, that was the year of the ice storm It was hit. terrible weather. They mm-hmm. actually had they to move They pushed kickoff. the game back. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Terrible ice storm all through the Midwest. So dad was like, you're not driving. So we put it together. <laughs> and again, with help from my parents and everything, I was able to get a plane ticket to go to Kansas City and rent a car. So I got a plane ticket, flew in before the team. Rented a car to get myself from the airport to the hotel, um, and then I was there for everything. I was, we were at the hotel. We did our hotel treatments that we usually do. We went to the stadium the day before to set up, and I was, it actually made it helpful because uh, we went separate from the equipment staff. The equipment staff will go set up, and they take five hours to do it. We set our stuff up in about two, so mm-hmm. we didn't have to wait. So I actually picked up the other athletic trainers. We drove to the stadium separately oh, nice. in my rental car. So it, it worked out really nice that way, but I made the effort to get there and – didn't miss any classes again. Get there and and be willing to work and make the sacrifice to get there. And then after the game, I drove back. Fortunately, 
whenever we have these games, they book the hotel room. We only stay in there one night, but they book it for two in case there's an emergency. Sure. So I had my hotel room for the other night, and I went. I had to drive the rental car to the stadium. I had to park it in some random lot. I had to walk with all my Steeler gear through all the Kansas City Chiefs fans before the game. <laughs> walk all the way out past all of them after the game. Um, but that was the, the, the effort that I made to get there. John recognized again. He recognized that effort, and again, same smile and shook his head when I when I walked when he walked <laughs> in the hotel in Kansas City. Can't believe you're even here. Um, but then I got back from Kansas City on that that Monday morning, and then went straight to work straight from there that day. And he he was surprised that I was I walked into work with jeans on, changed from my jeans to my khakis and normal athletic training gear, put the khakis and the polo on, and went back to work on that Monday. Um, but he recognized that, and with that, again, there was one spot available we, we won that game we were going to the afc championship mm. in foxborough um New england for anyone who and, go on and there was one one seat again on the plane between myself the intern and the pt fellow well, the pt fellow had just gone so john wanted to make it fair but he didn't know he was i don't know but he but since i made the effort to go to the patriots one he put me on the flight to the to the afc game i was gonna get myself the afc championship game <laughs> one way or another i wasn't gonna miss that <laughs> but it was just very fortunate that he was that i was able to be a part of that yeah, flight and everything absolutely. thoughts on that kind of effort and drive and just you know i guess advice for anyone who i mean that was you know all those situations yeah there was a lot of sacrifice in terms yeah, of you you, know, you have to be willing to push through a lot i mean those days i was a, i'm a full-time college student taking 14 to 16 credits at the time um so i had that to, to worry about and i, I mean i gotta pass my classes in order to even get my certification it's my senior year so i'm, I'm studying for my certification and my board's exams but you have to be willing to go through everything and anything and push yourself really to the limit if it's really truly what you want you really fight you really figure out how much you love things when you look at that um mm. is it do i really want to go all out for this or do i or is it uh, i don't care that much enough and then you really see the passion for it and then in the end it's nice to get those rewards in it too yes yeah. i got the reward from john and it was being on the plane and that was nice and everything but i like i said i still would have gone to the afc championship game and put the same effort forth um that's what you wanted. Exactly. Like and you said, you gotta you have to you have to have that drive for you wor- it. Yeah. You worked on Thanksgiving. We yes. watched you we watched you from our house and they played Indianapolis. You yeah, got to Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yep. Uh we both worked on Christmas when they played Baltimore. Yes. Everyone knows that uh-huh. game, every Steeler fan. We both worked on New Year's, so that's so just yes. those kind of New sacrifices. Yeah, again, because I we had a one o'clock kickoff that New Year's Day. And so we were both So we were stadium. there. We we right. I, I remember I uh I sat at home and Watched and watched the ball drop. It hit midnight. Said, "All right, happy New Year." Rolled over, went to sleep, and woke up. And was at the stadium about 10 a.m. the next morning. So, things you have to do and sacrifice. A lot of all my friends were going out and having parties yeah. and stuff like that. But I knew that this is what I wanted. I needed to be on my on the top of my game for this. How did you end up at Duke? What was that process like? So at Duke, I originally I wanted to get a graduate assistant position as an athletic trainer, where they cover your grad school and waive your tuition, and uh, you work as an athletic trainer for usually two years, get a master's out of it. Mm. Um, and that was what I wanted to do immediately out of immediately out of college. I applied for all these different places and interviewed at all these different places, and nothing fell through. Usually, all these pro, Tennessee these, was one, Tennessee, Central Florida was one. I, I actually Florida. I actually did get an offer from University of from Tulane University. Yeah, yeah. I flew down to Tulane, and they offered me a position. Um, but academically, their their major was emergency management with a focus in emergency medicine or. or Something, something off the wall that, what what, that wouldn't have, that would have been more stressful one to do than actual work, and mm-hmm. also just wasn't anything that would have helped me in the long run. So I turned that down. Was convinced I was get something else, and by 
mid-February, usually when all these positions are filled, nothing really appeared. Nothing was, I, I, I had gotten nothing and I was really, it was a frustrating part yeah, process right. being through this. So, man, I got the, again, the ego kicked in a little bit. Man, I got the Steelers position. Sure, sure. Why, why is nobody wanting to hire me? I'm working with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I really thought I was, oh, you yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to go through. I had the connections with John and everything. But oh. then, fortunate enough, I jumped on the NATA, uh, NationalAthleticTraining.com Career Center, and found a position from Duke. That it was a brand new position they had never had before for an intern. So it was no masters. It was a paid internship. You go oh, wow. down there for a year, have to relocate. And fortunately, one of my one of the supervisors, Sonia, and assistant athletic trainers with the Steelers, who is all over the news of just being a phenomenal athletic trainer, right. um, had a connection. She used to work down at Duke. So basically, sat down. I put my application in. Sonia sat down with me, and she says, "Is this really what you want to do?" I said, "I know you want the GA position, but..." I think it'd be a good position. I said, yeah. I said, this is this is what I want. This is what I'm going full in for. She goes, okay, I'm going to... She basically said, at one time, she said, I, I'm going to get this for you. And she said, I'm going to try my hardest to get for you, to get this for you in both times. But I interviewed in my... Uh, had an interview with them. And then my first day of spring break that year, it was early May, I think it was or early March, March 2nd or 3rd, yeah. they called after about three weeks after I had had an interview with them and offered me a position. I, and I, I accepted. I mean, all, immediately on the spot, he's like, "Yeah, you go home and tell your talk to your parents." I'm like, "No, nah, it's okay. I'll accept <laughs> nope, it right we're now. We're good. I'm good." But, but what was that That's like? Awesome. Um, you know, the adjustment period moving to North Carolina. The Penguins are in the midst of a cut, a cup run. You, yeah. you moved away from home. Yeah. Um, I guess the two dynamics, and and I'll leave a little bit out, but just in the sense, um, how did you get? You know, you, that, little little homesick. That, but that then, whole that yeah. whole time of my life was a very very challenging. Um, I guess to get a little personal. This was a time in my life where I actually, uh, I guess you can call it diagnosed or discovered diagnosed with kind of like an anxiety type disorder. Sure. So, and, and this- like moving and it, away from home? Yeah, it, it yeah. wasn't even, so I had, I had had symptoms and I had had stuff, like I had felt like that before I had left. And I was like, ah, it's whatever. Mom, yeah, right. My parents said, oh, maybe you should go see someone, see what they can help you out with. And I, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I, when I moved away, it just kind of escalated sure. even further. Uh, so that was definitely challenging. Moving away, having a new job, being a newly certified athletic trainer, where they're they're throwing they're throwing different responsibilities. Hey, he's hurt. Can you eval him and start his rehab? What? No. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Um, but to to kind of battle through all of that at the same time while definitely being homesick. Sure. I mean, it was, that was the furthest I'd ever been away from home and. Even at Akron, there was a $10 Greyhound bus I could get on and take home <laughs> yeah. if I really wanted yeah, to. Right. And and I had, a, I mean, I had a car down in Raleigh, so, or in Durham. So yeah, I could get home whenever I wanted, but yeah, right. am I going to blow the miles on my car and the gas money that I, of the, the minimal intern pay that I was getting? So it was, it was really a challenging thing that I had to deal with many different obstacles. Um, the anxiety part, the homesickness, and sure. just being a new athletic trainer all kind of pounded together it really and especially like being like you said the the penguins are we said at the beginning of it the penguins are a big thing with us as a family oh, yeah. and I, I you know i went to my first penguin game when i was six weeks old yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and the year before when they had won the cup we had all gone to the we the, did we all went to the stadium for the watch party when they won against was that san jose San Jose yes, was, was San the first Jose. year yeah, we, we, year. we were watching yeah. when they were against San Jose. <laughs> yeah. we, were in, we were in the stadium watching as a big me you yeah. dad my sisters yeah yeah um and then y'all were doing that again, we, yeah. and so that was so that was uh, it. It was then, tough. It was it was definitely sure, tough sure. to watch the games. And I mean, I'd call dad after every the games or during the games, but to, it was kind of hard being sitting there eight hours plus away 
how do you, everybody else is back home. How do you home. get through it and realize that it's the right choice? Like, I know this is the right choice, what yeah. I'm doing right now. How do you get through that? Because you know it is the right choice. Yeah, it was. It was. It it just came down to kind of trust and faith at that point. I mean, I, I kind of just let let another force take over. Just sure. kind of, I kind of sat back and just knew that this is where I'm supposed to be. And then you, you start seeing little reminders of yeah. why you're there, why you're here. I mean, I think one of my favorite stories, and we'll go, I guess, a little further as into... I had applied for West Virginia University again for their graduate assistant position. I'm in Durham still. I'd applied online, sent everything in, and um, I, I don't think I'd been offered an interview yet. But um, I was walking around one of the, I was walking around the coals down there. I was looking for I think I was looking for a pullover or something. And they're like all the, all Duke UNC stuff. Yeah, everything. right. <laughs> going through trying to find a size, trying to find a size, and I flipped through. And there's a Mountaineer, West Virginia Mountaineer shirt right there. I'm like, this is just, I was like, all right. I didn't think much of it then. I'm like, all right, that's, yeah. I'm like, this is just, I was like, this is just odd. And I'm like, okay. You start thinking. Huh. About about a week later, I got an email that I was offered an interview from them. And then, um, awesome. so on the, and then we went to the bowl game at Duke. And on the way back from our bowl game, we have, the planes are a little beefed up when you go to those games. They had yeah, TVs right. on the back of the seats so you can pick a movie. I picked a random movie. Uh, I can't even remember what it was called. There was about some movie about them robbing the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Logan Lucky, it's called. Okay. Okay. And it's I guess it's based in West Virginia. Okay. Huh. Movies the people live in West Virginia, and one of the main songs in that movie oh, was Country Roads. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, this is getting a little weird. I'm <laughs> like, I'm here. like, I'm like, I like, I didn't look at it like, oh yeah, I want to do. It. I'm like, all right, that's a little weird. And then, so I I get home. I'm like, all right, this place is kind of helping with the confidence too. I'm like, all right, so this is where I'm kind of I'm supposed to be going. This You're is kinda, a, this is yeah, a good feeling. Is... Days before my interview, probably two days, three days, I'm sitting on the couch with mom, and dad, and my sisters were watching a movie. We'd seen the Kingsman movies. Have you seen any of those movies before? No, no, I haven't. Oh, the, <laughs> Kings, the Kingsman movie, basically, a, a it's like a British secret agency and everything like this, and uh, it's like almost like a spoof James Bond yeah, kind of. Right. It, it, it's they're the second we watched the second one, and again, this Country Road song was in it, <laughs> and it had no business being in this movie. Like if you if yeah, you like, hold seen, on here, the Kings, the second Kingsman movie, that song had no business being right, in this right. movie, and I they and the song starts, and Mom and Dad both look at me, and I look at <laughs> I just threw my hands up. I said, "All right," but I said, "Well, I guess I'm going the right path at this time." Well, yeah. and, and you say that, but I think at that point you talked about and and you know you kind of and and it's it's a good thing, but like. At this point, like you didn't want to leave Duke. No, you know what I'm saying. Like you were homesick, but at this point, by the end of your time at Duke, like you had really like fallen in love with the place. Yeah. So can you kind of speak to that? Where like, man, I really love it at Duke, and like, I just, I just don't want to go. You know, but you knew you had to go. Can you maybe touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I knew that was. Man, Duke was one of the the. It turned Not, out to, yeah. It, it turned out, I started out and I was, whenever I first got there, the first couple of months, I said, all right, eight more months to go. All right, <laughs> seven more months to go. Counting down the days until I could move back to Pittsburgh. Counting down the days, at least until my, my parents were coming to visit for a game. I mean, I had never gone without, I mean, I had gone months, a couple months or maybe a month and a half without seeing, but there was t- six months, I think, sure. I went multiple times without yeah. without seeing them. And um, so I was counting down the days, but by the end of the day, End of the my time there, I didn't want to leave. It yeah, was right. without a doubt one of the best places I ever worked because of the people there. Yeah. And um people there, my head coach was one of the best people I've ever met. Sure. Coach Cutcliffe is one of the best people I've ever met. And then um just the the plate the environment down there. I mean, there's a bunch of places downtown Durham, downtown Raleigh to go and have a good time. There's uh 
all the nature and everything to go walk and explore mm. and all that stuff. And then it's just the weather is perfect yeah, right. down there. I mean, it was, I don't think, I mean, even we got one big snowstorm and that was it. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, I knew that I, you have to move on. I could have, I was basically, I, whenever I was applying for these positions, they said, all right, if you don't get anything, we'll hire you on for another intern year. I'm like, all right, that's, that's cool. Thanks. I <laughs> yeah, appreciate that's, it. That's not bad, yeah. But I knew that in order to work full time in Division One or NFL, you have to have a master's degree as an athletic trainer. So I knew that that next step was get the master's. Duke yeah. didn't have a GA program. They didn't have a way to get a master. Or they had a way to get a master's, but not for free. How West Virginia is covering mine with this whole program. So I knew the next step was was to be a graduate sure. assistant and, and move to West Virginia. And at that time, it, it, it's another transition that you have to go through. You have it, to just learn different ways of doing things. And I guess, yeah, real quick, like, um, can you speak to your position at West Virginia? Because it's, it's a little bit different than it was at Duke. You're, yes. you, you know... With the Steelers, you were an intern. With Duke, you were an intern more, you know, but you still got to work with the yeah, athletes more. But, but you, yeah. yeah, but you're you're overseeing people at West yes. Virginia now. You, and you were doing that a little bit at Duke now. But, yeah. you know, can you speak to just your roles at West Virginia and Duke? And, and I mean, I saw your office and yeah. you know, that yeah. sort of so thing. I was, right. you got yeah, I was very fortunate at, right. at West Virginia to, to come in. We, had a, we got a brand new training room and a brand new... Really nice. beautiful office that brand new desk to myself and everything and double computer screens and i was blown away the first day i walked in very nice yeah um but nowadays now i also have the added responsibility of overseeing athletic training students undergraduate athletic training students something mm-hmm. i had never done before um so they have proficiencies which are like their skills that they have to have checked off and i have to test them out on their skills as well as designate roles for them during games and make sure i mean there's nine of them at a time yeah. and I'm, I'm only technically one of them is only mine but it's a group effort of the four of us mm-hmm. and being the graduate assistant the full-time guys are doing all the other all my other administrative stuff dave's off in a meeting our head athletic sure. trainer's off in a meeting um <laughs> vince is a physical therapist who sees all different sports so they're busy so it comes down to me to handle that and that was something that i really had to adjust to was overseeing people and being like a leader yeah. But not a dic- not a dictator. Like you say, it's it's cliche to say I, I want to yeah, be a right. leader, but not a dictator. But at the same time, that was one of the most the things I was most afraid of. Yeah, right. I knew what my preceptors had done for me, and how they had been a mentor for me, and that's I that's what I knew that I wanted to portray to my students as well. Yeah, is that the same thing about being a professional and being a self starter? Yeah, yeah. It's I have to act because at the same time I have to act a professional. Now I've been at the extra thing of I have to act as a professional around everything yeah in the so i I see we my students have classes in the same building that i do it's important for me to act as a professional in that building so my students see me and they go oh sam's this and that and then they do an eval for me and it doesn't look good on me either sure or they just don't think i know what i'm talking about and don't respect me either so whenever i designate a task to them they don't think they have to do it right and you i mean and, and and it's tricky because in a real in a perfect world you would have no issues and every student would be a perfect student, do everything mm. you told that they would want to do and they would be happy and nobody would ever right. get their feelings hurt or anything like that. But And everybody would be happy with their role that they're in. But that that's not the case. We had students that some of them didn't even want to be athletic trainers. They were using this as a springboard to get into PA school or PT school, which is common, but which is frustrating at times because they didn't want to do, they didn't, they were annoyed by the carrying water. The yeah, things right. that students do that everybody goes through. I did it. The stuff that you did with the Steelers. The little things that were menial menial, tasks. Yes. Um, So that was a little bit challenging to kind of, I want, you want everybody to like you and you want everybody to be, to 
enjoy their time. But at the same time, you have to make sure the job still gets done in the athletic training room because ultimately if I assign a task to a student, student doesn't do that task, that task doesn't get done, my head athletic trainer is going to come back to me. Right. So it's all coming back to me, and I and, and and it's a lot of responsibility, and it can and it can definitely be stressful at times, and it's a big thing now in athletic training. They're pushing to have that work life balance too. So like mm. I said, sixteen, eighteen hour days are are, are rough. But yeah, right. We're now in the off season where I should get majority of the weekends, and you you have to make sure you take get away from it all. Yeah, you went through the AFC divisional round, uh, yes. Kansas City. You went through the AFC championship. Uh, you know, Foxborough, New England. Um, with Duke, the the uh, you know I'm sorry. With Duke, you were you know in uh, Duke and the the, yeah, the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. You went to a bowl game with Duke in Detroit. You experienced that. Uh, you did. You just got back from the Camping War Bowl, West yeah. Virginia and Syracuse. Um, I, I guess real quick, you know, just those experiences. Just that. I mean, it's a business trip. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, like a bowl game, just those. And, you know, you're not 25 yet, and you got to do two bowl games with what bowl game was Virginia bowl game with Duke, AFC championship game, AFC divisional round. Just mm-hmm. can you speak to just those? Even though they're business that's, trips, that's like a an unhidden or a hidden perk that people don't see of working football, and especially West Virginia too, being in the Big 12, is the traveling part of it. Right. I think that's one of my favorite things. With, with football is you get to travel and most of the time you get there even away games we're only there for a night you get there you do your treatments but you're done by 10 so you have time to go explore the city whether it's a specific food that they mm. have or some local restaurant that you want to go to or even just some monument or something out like whenever they went to I know I wasn't there whenever they went to DC that right. game but they went out the day before and saw the monuments in DC mm-hmm. um, in Detroit we went and we saw the Hitsville house uh, we saw we stood that. on the side where you could see Canada and um, <laughs> we went and drove through the uh, the F-150 Ford plant when we were up there and, and all those different things and didn't do too much in Orlando we were able to go to the Universal Studios this one was a little more we were there for a shorter time compared to when I was in Detroit but it's it's really nice to be able to just explore different cities oh yeah on somebody absolutely. else's buck on, on that yeah. too but um it's 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 a still business trip and you have to remember that I right. can't I can't be going out and I need to get my work done before I go out and even think mm-hmm. about having this. And that's what everybody's like, oh, do you have a good time in Orlando? You know, it's Orlando. It's sunny. You got Disney World. You got the you got <laughs> beaches course. that are hour and away. Oh, did you have a good time? Did you have a good time? I'm like, yeah, but everybody's like, oh, you didn't go out to the beach or anything like that? I'm like, no, by the time we got done with everything, it was about 8 o'clock at night. Everything was dark. And so it's a still a business trip. You right. still have to remember that, that, and you have to carry yourself in that professional manner. You can't come stumbling into the hotel. Can't be, <laughs> yeah. can't be doing anything like that. That, that. Honestly, that not even at that, on those trips, it's even more of, oh, you don't want your players to see, but our athletic director is there. Your athletic director, yeah. who's that kid? Figures out, comes back. Oh, it's me. I won't have a job in the next yeah, morning. Uh, they'll sure. put, they'll put me. They'll, they'll taxi me to the airport and tell me to buy a plane ticket home. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. And it's you can in in this just any of this profession you can be replaced easily, and that's a lot of professions yeah. too. And it's 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 a scary thought, but if you carry yourself the right way, you shouldn't even have a second thought sure. on it. What's yeah. next? What is next? Yeah, what is next? I got to finish the WVU first. So we got Nears. We got next season. We'll see. Uh, get a new coach here in a couple of weeks. That's and, right. And go from here. Dan Holgerson's at Houston. Dan Holgerson's now. at Houston, and we'll get a new coaching staff and go from there. Hopefully, have a good second season, and then 
Get your master's degree. Get my master's degree. <laughs> start applying for jobs in the fall. We'll see what happens. Use the connections that I have. Is there is there, there any uh, anything that you want to do? Anything that you're eyeing or anything like, man, I kind of, I mean, I know that, you know, Duke and West Virginia kind of came yeah. out of nowhere, but at the same time, anything that you might want to do or. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of see what's available. It's, it's interesting because the athletic training profession's changing. Uh, in 2022, everybody's going from how it's an undergrad degree. Now it's going to be moved to a master's degree. So oh. a lot of these graduate assistant positions will be eliminated. So they may either hire interns or add them as full-time positions. So it has the potential after this year to be, a lot of them are switching over much earlier, to be a lot of positions available. They're eliminating those GA positions relatively soon. Um, so that'll be the first thing is to yeah, see right. what's open. I may look at an NFL internship. I may... Look at another college internship. I'd really like, though, at this point to get a to get a full time job coming out and start paying back loans and yeah, right. start having to be. I'll be said by the time I graduate, I'll be twenty six. I got to find my own insurance. I got to find all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's not the fun part of it. No, but you know, it sounds like you set yourself up for success as well as you could possibly. Yes, so I've, I've it's been tried and it's been a lot of help from family, friends, mentors, everything around. I mean, there's there's times where you just come home for a break and you got to flush yourself so you just go and hang out with grandparents go hang out with aunt and uncle everybody comes into town for thanksgiving and you just sit around and joke around at grandma and grandpa's house and just true. just sit around all day long and that and those are the times where you really just you reset your whole you hit the reset button i used to that's what i did at wvu i miss mean, this semester was challenging after having an entire year off of school yeah and getting back mm. into grad school and having to manage people there's times i came home for 14 hours just I had the time. I came home yeah. for fourteen hours. It was I called it a reset button. Yeah, and you need that reset button in order to be successful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I agree. yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, and I I think that's and and I've I've said this before, you know, on the podcast, but I you know I can't you know I can't stress it enough. Like, I mean, Sam's my nephew, but I think you know in in general, um, you know, you're my for me personally, like my heroes and role models are my friends and family. You know, like I, I mean, I think it's in, I think it's important to, you know if you uh if you admire you know an, an athlete or a you know but i don't think an athlete or a, a tv star or movie star or whatever but like i think for me and you know not just you know sam but all my nieces and nephews sam emily maggie nick elise uh my you know my my brother you know my brother john who's your dad and, and my sister and my parents and i just think it's all you know and and to, to your point um you need that support system you need that you know and and if you don't have that lean on family and friends yeah. you know and and yeah, i mean that's just that you know it's all it's all about family and friends and, and i think you know i i know i'm very fortunate to have all the family and friends that you know brothers and sisters and and all of you guys you know nephews and nieces and my wife obviously too but she's kind of given but <laughs> as, as she's sleeping at the moment while we're recording <laughs> um oh she's not sleeping apparently um but i just you know like i said to your point i i think you know I, I just see every, you know, all, all of you guys as nieces and nephews and, and brother and sister, you know, all of you guys, I, I just see all of it as, you know, you just lean on that and lean on your resources. And I think Sam did a lot of that, you know, throughout his tenure, whether it be family or professional too, you know, to kind of get to where you want. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for being on. How about yeah, uh, any last advice for people listening that you any, know want yeah. to pursue their dreams like yeah, you've been you, doing? You just gotta you gotta trust yourself and not be afraid to ask for help. I think the biggest things is mm. is there was times where you gotta have, be self confident, trust yourself, and not be afraid to ask for help. There's so many times where people are like, "Oh, I don't want to ask for help. I'm afraid that I'll be looked down upon." There really is no bad question. You ask a question, 
people, the worst thing people are going to say is no, or they'll give you a straightforward answer that you already knew. Then you move <laughs> on to the next one. Sure. But I think those are the best things to do and just and trust. Trust everything. Trust that you're going in the right path and somebody's looking out for you, whether you can see it or not. Like it. Awesome. Great advice, man. Yeah. Well, Great thank, you, thank, you. For yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's been so a much. pleasure. Thank you. It's outstanding. So, listeners, we know that we've encouraged you to dream loud with this episode. It's been really good. So, uh, until the next episode, we hope you have a great week. We hope Sam's encouraged you. And we'll see you then. Take care.